Welcome to The Fear Alchemist. My name is Ben Harris, your host and fellow explorer. I believe the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Together, we'll explore the unknown and learn the lessons that fear has to offer. I'm glad you're here. Now let us begin. Before we get into the conversation, I want to let you know about what's going on at the Heart Collective. We are building a community of like-hearted people that are on a mission to create a more beautiful world. Not only do we have the Fear Alchemy course that is a transformational experience, we are also offering and announcing a river rafting retreat that's happening in September. It's called Stillness and Surrender. This is our second annual river rafting retreat, and there is nothing like fully immersing yourself into the beauty of nature. There are so many parallels and lessons that the river has to offer about how to surrender to the flow of life. So if you're looking for a felt experience of community, nature, and learning how to let go and trust the universe, then this retreat is just for you. Find out more about it and all of our offerings at heartcollective.org. That's H-A-R-T collective.org. The link is also in the show notes. Thanks, everybody. Now let's get back to the program. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to The Fear Alchemist. This is a special episode because not only are we recording with a live audience, thank you all so much for being here, but this is actually our very first episode of The Fear Alchemist that we are releasing with a very special guest, Richard Rudd, who is the author, the creator of The Gene Keys. So Richard, thank you so much for being here. I know um, I cannot only speak from myself, the team at the Heart Collective, and everyone else watching or listening that we are excited and looking forward to this conversation. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Ben. (laughs) So my first question is just, I guess, a quick intro about yourself for people who aren't super familiar with the Gene Keys or your work or what that is before we go go all the way in, what is the best explanation for someone who is getting int- introduced to this, wor- this work? If you're talking to someone in the, in the grocery market and they ask, what do you do? What do you tell people? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't happen so often. Um, it, you know, if, I mean, it always comes out different each time. But um, I might say, do you know what? Have you ever heard of alchemy? They'll be like, well, isn't that, what is that? You know, because since you mentioned that and that's part of your thing, it's quite a good way to go in. You might say, well, it's this ancient medieval art, you know, where they thought they could take kind of base matter like, you know, black rock or coal and then, you know, and then transform it through chemistry into gold, you know. And, um, and so it became a very symbolic um, procedure. Um, with lots of phases, and it, and it's become a a way of understanding transformational, deep transformational practices or awakening practices, um, you know, down the ages, both from the east and from the west. So lots, there's a there's great universal understanding about the the, the metaphor of alchemy, anyway. And so that's really what jinkies are about. They're about helping people. Um, use what we call their shadows or their fears and actually embrace them and then 
transform them into gifts. You know, so something that was actually working against us actually then becomes something that's working for us, and that even becomes um, something we're inspired by. Um, and it might even that transformation that we go through that process, whether it's psychological, emotional, spiritual, physical, or all of those with the gene keys definitely um, targets all of those. Um, then, by the, you know, by the time we we get there, we're we're probably we've had a big experience of some form, and then we want to be of service uh, in some new way, and we probably have a lot more energy available to us as well. So in a way, that's what the Gene Keys does for us, um, but in lots of different ways. That's so as cool. For starters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that, that is a perfect start. And um, I'm curious, what is your personal... Because, you know, I've heard many talks, podcasts with you. And I'm curious, just, just no biggie. I'm just going to dive straight in. What is your relationship? to fear as someone who has created this alchemy for the world, for the collective, what is your personal relationship with it? Uh, Well, it's, you know, I I guess I, I, I'm quite familiar with, with fear now um, and particularly my own fears uh, and also the fears of the collective, which bleed into our own personal fears anyway, you know, and they actually become part often the part of our background anxiety, you know, so, so I kind of, I've developed practices and understandings and uh, procedures and, you know, all kinds of ways um, of making friends with my own fear or my own anxiety or my own, you know, self-judgment or, and and kind of created a language to help myself and others understand specifically what all the different kinds of fears that there are and how we can trace them back to like one primary fear um and so i guess my personal journey is is just layer upon layer of exploring you know how that manifests in my life on a daily basis you know through the mundane things around me but also through this background collective fear that um, has existed, and and you know for a long time, and it, and as be as is there growing in some respects, or be, we are becoming more and more aware of it um, on this planet. And so, I'm very much a part of that exploration into what is that fear at a personal level and at a collective level, and how can we make friends with it? How can we use it? How can we, um, you know, transcend it in time? Yeah, so um, that, I haven't got into any personal stories or anything, but that's my relationship. Mm. Is, is I, I'm the kind of first student of fear, of my own fear. Um, and mm. I remember sets even just starting off on this journey, you know, especially when you start off on a journey towards fear, that's when the fears, the first fears are the, are the scariest in a way. It's like speaking publicly or something. The first time you do it, it's terrifying absolutely terrifying um but then once you've done it a few times even though there may be some trepidation and some fear it, it's less because you you know it better um and then you you know it's not that those fears even ever might go away some fears don't perhaps but um it's our relationship to it that it no longer overwhelms us um or it no longer kind of fear itself doesn't scare us 
you know, I think that's quite a profound thing, actually. I love that. And when we were first preparing for this, it was, I think you described what you really, what you just mentioned of what, what you have really getting, you said getting familiar with fear and the fear of fear itself. And, and like you just said, it is profound because the very energy and biological reaction of fear is to avoid, right? To protect, to run, to all the, all those fun things. So how did you, when you were first receiving this call and to create this work, what was that fear that, that you were potentially, that was in the back or front of your mind that was your shadow potentially, if, if you don't mind sharing that, or, mm. and that also turned into your gift? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was um, kind of, you know, a strange thing happened to me, you know, in, in my late 20s where I had a, an experience, a spontaneous experience of fearlessness and um, where I was filled with light. And I had this, this magical experience that lasted for three days. And, um, and it totally rerouted my life and changed my direction of my life um, and you know that sounds. I know some some people. Oh, that sounds really nice. Um, and it was, <laughs> uh, but afterwards was not nice because afterwards coming back into I guess what Eckhart Tolle calls the fear body, you know, which is this you know, this kind of this. <laughs> um, it was really hard because I'd I had a I, I've since then had a reference point for what it's like to be without fear um, and. And to remember oneself fully. And so that's in answer to someone asking, that's how I started. You know, I mean, I think I was on the journey before that, but that was what really propelled me into a deep inquiry. Um, and afterwards, the fears, a lot of fears came up. The fear that, you know, I was mad. The fear that, um, you know, this, I, you know, just so many fears. I guess the fear of how to, you know, like, how will this be perceived? Uh, the fear of having this, but then not having it anymore. The fear I may never get back to it. The fear that, um, you know, I mean, just layer upon layer upon layer of, of fears came up in the process of like, how, how, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? Um, and then when I, when it even started to crystallize into a sort of wisdom that could be shared, which was years later, um, then it was like the fear of, what will people think of me? You know, what will they think of this? Will they see through me and see that I'm really a charlatan? I'm just as scared as everyone else. Um, but just because I had this experience once doesn't make me like, you know, they may see through me and all of those sort of fears, human fears. Um, so I'm, I'm quite familiar with all those fears. Um, and, you know, I, I always really liked the teacher Ramdas, uh, who kind of was talking about fear in a really lovely way. And, he talks about fear, like his neuroses, you know, his different neuroses. And he said, I, I now just sit and I invite them in for tea, mm-hmm. you know, and they come in and have tea with him. And, and I, I was inspired by that. And I try and do something similar, I think, um, in my own inner life through, the, through the, the place I've created for contemplative practice, you know, which, which is what creates space, inner space, that allows us to feel things instead of... Um, running away from uncomfortable things, you know, because mm. it's in feeling these difficult feelings that we, you know, make breakthroughs. 
So and that's what I've discovered. For I love myself. that. That's, and I just got chills on that last part. And one of the, so I brought in a few of my favorite quotes of yours from the Gene Keys. And one of those quotes is no form of thinking can take away the fear because the fear is there precisely because of the thinking. And I find that so profound. And because what you were just mentioning is feeling. And so, oh, I'm getting like a lot of chills right now. So it's because typically we go like, oh, the mindset is everything into the brain rewiring, working in the subconscious mind. And that definitely has, that's, that's part of it for sure. But can you expand on that quote about like, thinking can't actually take all the fear away completely? No. That goes back to the feeling? No. There are thoughts that can soothe the fear, you know, and, 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 but yeah, it's, it, they can't resolve the fear, you know. So, like, I have this lovely one liner um, that I don't even know where I said it, but it's, it's kind of often been quoted back at me and I, and I really like it. I don't even <laughs> know where it came from. It's just yeah. fear is safe. And I think that's, you could contemplate that your whole life and kind of realize it. So, you know, that is, is kind of the, the attitude that the Gene Keys teachings and my teachings take towards fear that, you know, let's not begin with the assumption that fear isn't safe, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that it actually is a part of our nature. It's a part of our ancestry. It had a purpose. It still has a purpose. Um, but its its purpose is perhaps changing a little bit nowadays than it was in the old you know days where we were literally reliant on our fear to survive, um, and some people still are very much so. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, the the mind can be um, something that the fear either drives, um, and then if the fear drives the mind, then the mind gets in these loops, these self uh, kind of defeating. Um, feedback loops that undermine us, that drive us crazy, um, that drive us into kind of addictive behavior patterns that kind of keep the trauma um, spinning through our body mm-hmm. um, so that it can't actually, we can't actually engage with it, in a, you know, because the mind is just creating story after story after story or, or pinning it through blame and projecting it out in all kinds of ways on others or in the world or something, you know, something. And and that makes us a victim of our own fear. But at the same time, fear that's kind of used creatively, you know, that's that's embraced and absorbed and kind of felt and used, you know, can then turn into something else. It can turn into passion or it can turn into, you know, it could even turn that one of the next steps could be anger. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, not that anger is something you want to be kind of, taken over by either but it's a step beyond fear it's a next step often for people um and you might be able to skip that step as well but for some people fear manifests as anger and actually a lot of anger is rooted just in fear i mean all anger ultimately is rooted in some form of fear so you know there are stages and steps to handling fear um in in gene keys we talk about the shadow then revealing the gift and the gift is something hidden in the fear, it's hidden in the shadow. Um, and so there is something of value and of worth in it. And that even just holding that as a possibility, as a, you know, that change, that can change a whole person's life. 
just the potential, like this isn't something that you need to escape. This is something you need to look more deeply into um, and explore. And then maybe you'll find something of value in there. That's so that, yeah, does that make sense? Oh, I mean, Richard, you're speaking my love language. <laughs> but um, so earlier, you're, I mean, there's so many good things in here. But what you said as, as far as, because one of the great polarities is love and fear. And you mentioned earlier about how one can actually um, get excited or turn that fear into passion and actually embrace it instead of escape it. And so I'm curious from your standpoint and from your experience, is it that, I don't want to say necessary part, maybe not, it's not necessary for everybody, but to, but actually, but I think most, most people, everyone have a shadow. So it's like, if you truly want to absolve and to alchemize that shadow into a gift, into love, into freedom, do you feel like it's necessary to go in there? Because, you know, it's one of my favorite quotes by Joseph Campbell is a cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And it's exactly what we're talking about of the thing you desire, like your magic, your gift is within the fear. So from your experience and what you've observed is, is that the way to like unlock that gift? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, everyone here, like listening to this now, you know, you can tune in to your body right now and your life and your emotions. And, you know, there's something in your life right now that's bothering you. There is. There's something, <laughs> right? You know what it is. <laughs> yeah. And um, and if you, you know, and, and there's probably one thing that's bothering you more than all the other things, right? And so if you can tune into that one thing that's bothering you, that's really, you know, if, the, if only I could get past that, then I would... You know, if you can, if you can look at that tendency that we all have, like you know, that is where the treasure is. It's right there in, in, in under your nose. You know, and you know what I uh, what I learned from you know one of the lineages I've um, studied in was the Taoist lineage with some amazing teachers from China, and in, in back along back a long time ago. And what the Tao the Taoists had a really nice um, way of understanding all these what we call negative emotions, you know, and for the Taoist fear lives in the kidneys, you know, it's the Chinese medicine. Um, and cause they're very contracted and they, you know, and the, you know, that it's like these two incredible organs. And so they also had virtues. For, so that was a, that was the kind of shadow, if you like, of the kidney energy. And, and then um, the, the virtue of the kidney is gentleness Right. And it was a really good key for me, like early on. It's like, wow, you know, because you might think that you should kind of be a warrior and rush into fear and try and meet it head on. And that can have some, you know, that can really take you into some fears and through some fears. But ultimately, for me, that softer approach, um, not that not that the warrior approach isn't also incredibly valid and can also be part of that other approach, but ultimately when one's dealing with one's own deep, deep fears and the fears of others, that gentle approach um, that, that was based on the kind of imagery of water, of yielding, of flowing, you know, that, that that is what kind of enables us, gives us the courage in a way to look at the fear or the depth of it 
more closely. Because then we're not like, we're not constricted, you know, when we, when we approach it. We're actually really in a, in a yin state, a feminine state. And we're like going, okay, I'm going to try trusting you. <laughs> Let's see what happens from that place. Um, and it's the basis of a lot of the Eastern meditation approaches as well. There's that you allow it in, um, you know, you observe it, you witness it, you feel it. Um, with the art of contemplation, you do a little bit more than that as well. You might be, you might do something cr- creative with it as well. So you might then take it on a journey and actually alchemize it through some activity or action or expression in some way. Um, because then you're helping it really move through, through a creative impulse. And I think in that way, fear can be incredibly creative. You know, it's just an incredibly creative energy once you've released it from its, um, you know, from its frozenness. Mm. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, on that note, I mean, I'd love to get into that. So releasing fear from its frozenness. Um. I mean, I believe fear fear is love in disguise. So when you release it, what what is that energy that you speak of? Yeah, well, that is, you know, in any experience where you're tackling fear, um, there's a there's a stage in which you do feel very unsafe, right? Mm. And so even if Richard Wright or any other, you know, so called wise person, whatever, <laughs> says, oh, fear is safe. You're like, no, it is not. This does not feel safe right now. Um, and, you know, there is that place where there's just incredible uncertainty because you're on the edge of unlocking it. You know, when it's frozen, it's kind of almost easier because at the beginning because you can approach it and you're not, you're not put in touch yet with that dynamic energy as it starts to quiver. It's like something that's as you start to unlock it, it starts to something starts to kind of open, and that's actually the most scary moment mm-hmm. <laughs> because um, there's nothing st- that you. We all know that moment. I mean, if you're in any process involved with unlocking a fear, you'll move through that alchemy time where it where you literally you cannot trust yourself. You know, you cannot trust any decision that you make. You cannot trust your mind. You cannot trust anything really other than just wait, <laughs> other than just feel, be in it, allow it, let it, let it move through this phase. And actually what happens for a lot of people is, you know, in, in just every, everyday life, when that phase comes up, um, we, that's where we react or we distract ourselves or we, that, because it's very, very uncomfortable so in a way, working with fear, the, one of the first steps, as far as I'm concerned, is to really get used to those states and recognize them when you're in them. You know, and, and I always remind myself, like, I know when I'm in it, I'm like, right now, I cannot be relied upon. I just know it. I can feel it. The fear is in my body. It's moving. And I can't be relied upon. I can't be relied upon to speak, you know, because whatever I say will probably come through one of those loops. Mm. And whatever I do it's probably also going to be a, some part of me that's trying to get away from it. So, you know, it doesn't mean I can't do anything, but it's, just, you know, usually quite often some form of movement is a very good thing, you know, because, you, because the body wants to kind of vent it in some way and it can help. Um, but it's that, you know, do you know what that's like, Ben, when you're in yeah. that state? and others listening here, I wonder if you recognize what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. You know how easy it is in an argument or in a difficult situation with someone or something, 
um, when that fear is is up, it's um, it's a really it's quite a moment in our life. Yeah. Oof. I mean, I'd love to hear from people in the chat. Like, what is that feeling? Like, where do you feel it? And anything else you feel called to share? I'd be I'd really love to hear about that. And it is, it's such, it's irony. It's, it's almost funny in a way. <laughs> it's like that you feel this feeling that said like is an absolute no, but that's the absolute key. And that's what's also so beautiful about it. Um, for you, does that come from that place, that, that reactory, um, when you're reacting, when you feel that feeling in your body that you're describing and like the edges of your body, the tightness, the constricting, the frozenness, the paralysis, does that come from the mind, subconscious mind? Is it like this, what you said, the fear body, the meat suit that we're living in? From your experience, where does all that like come from? Like the stories and like the feeling, all of it. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's primal, isn't it? It's so primal. It's, it is like the kind of basis of our humanity and our animal nature. Mm. And so it's deeply ancestral. You know, it's a deep ancestral core memory um, of, of being hunted, of being chased, of, um, you know, the fear of dying. Ultimately, it comes back to that, the fear of dying. And, um, and ultimately, if you even kind of peel back the fear of dying, it's the fear of, it's really the fear of not existing anymore, ever, you know, for eternity, non-existence. That is the core, for me anyway, that's the core human fear. Like that I might not, because that's that I might never exist again <laughs> in any form, you know. Uh, and, and so that when we come into touch with that kind of vibration, you know, like your people are sharing, like, anxiety and all of that and yeah it is very connected to the solar plexus um because that's our core and it's where we feel really wobbly you know deeply um yeah i i find it comes back to that so it's it, it is it's a deep ancestral thing it's you know even if you believe or not whether we come back and we return in the form and we you know we we w- these bodies come with that fear it's a part of its memory and it's part of our forgetting as well, you know, because when we're out of the form, you know, there's a, it's a lot easier to remember our eternal nature. But when we're in the form, we're in a form that isn't eternal, you know, it's finite. And so that fear predominates, you know, everything until we can kind of build up that connection with the eternal part of ourselves again. And when that eternal oh. part of ourselves and that connection becomes so strong, um, inside us, it will eventually begin to outweigh the other one, you know, the biological deep fear, you know, but they, they can live together as well. So we, you know, and they, you know, so that, but that deep eternal nature of our soul, you could call it, um, or that love that you mentioned, you know, that we are beings of love. We are love. Um, when we, the more we make those connections, um, the less that fear has effect on us. Oh, man, I am lit up. So yesterday, uh, as a team meeting, and we've been talking about this for a while. But exactly what you said is it's death, but the next layer of that is obliteration or annihilation, which is just not existing. 
Right. That's that's terrifying. I'll I will say like <laughs> Is there anything more terrifying than that? <laughs> Being erased essentially. Yeah. That that's that's terrifying. But then what you said of the paradox of that is that we are eternal, which is where the freedom is. So how do you, whether it's personally and um, collectively, tap into that eternal nature? Like, what does your practice look like? Well, like many of it, I have many practices um, and they change as well. I think that the underlying one is what I call the art of contemplation um, because the art of contemplation is creating a space and a container for it can can be many practices you know and, the, and as i said the practices can change but it's the container that doesn't change it's like cre- creating space and pauses in your life so that you can see things clearly and you can feel them clearly and pausing or you know in our life is really important mm. um especially as a as a kind of in the beginning it can be a technique but then it becomes natural because mm. all nature pauses naturally. And, and in our modern lives, we don't do that as much. And I think it's why the fear builds in our system. Because we don't pause and take these breaths. you know. And, and we have to mention the breath now because the fear is completely related to our breathing. And it's, you know, w- when we learn to breathe deeply, and it's not like something you can, you know, I mean, there are all kinds of people that teach deep breathing. I, I don't do that. I don't teach any breath techniques. I mean, they can be wonderful and they can be stepping stones and stages. And I, I think they, they, they can really help us make, you know, open up our being and our breath. But essentially that gentleness, if we cr- cultivate that spaciousness mm-hmm. and that gentleness for long enough every day in our lives, you know, then it begins to kind of soften the edges of the fear. You know, the fear is very sharp. You know, there is like all sharp edges and angles, um, which is why it's so uncomfortable. Whereas love or yielding is all soft edges. And, you know, it's like the pebbles that have been softened over, over the eons and with, by the water flowing over them. And the, and the water is like trust. You know, it's the energy of trust, trust and patience and love and these more yin terms. So mm-hmm. those yin terms begin to soften the edges of our fear. Um, and that's why these contemplative practices, you know, creating a space in our life for contemplative practices, which are internal transformational um, practices or kind of, they don't even have to be practices. They, it can just be a space, you know, it can just be yeah. relaxing or just breathing, just dropping in. You know, I, in, in my little book on contemplation, I, I mentioned some of these like in the back. I don't know if you've got that one, Ben, but. Um, in the back, there's lots of little exercises. Um, they're very simple. They're like a paragraph each, and and they're and they're like the art of lingering. You know, I like words like lingering. Like instead of rushing from one top job to the next job, you know, you linger a little bit longer than you than you should do, or you need to, or your mind thinks you ought to. You know, and so you link, and in that lingering, you start to breathe again. And also magical things can happen in those lingering moments. You know, we do that with, in my community at the end of calls, we often linger together, you know, because mm. the call's then over. It's like the end of a dinner, right? So the, the dinner finishes, everyone goes home. Um, but there's two or three people who are just still lingering. And it's then that the most magical things happen because the tension of the sort of excitement's gone. So everyone's guards are down and you're in the pause. And that's when 
hearts open and that's when insights come in. And that's the same with us in our lives. If we learn to kind of consciously linger and it's a bit of an art, mm. it's a bit, you know, it's, it's like, a, it's, it's kind of, I find it's almost like a bit trickstery, you know, it's a bit naughty in life and, and you need, <laughs> you need that kind of playfulness to do it because very few other people are doing it. And you have to sort of say to you know, the people say, what are you doing? I swear, I'm just lingering. Actually. <laughs> Why? Why? No reason. <laughs> like, um, it's, it's a playfulness of um, learning the art of the contemplative way. And that playfulness is really important. I think in also in dismantling fear patterns. Wow. Um, we can, otherwise we can take on like techniques and things and breathing and all that. And we get a bit too intense. Sometimes mm -hmm. we get a bit too into our spiritual things and, and then everything gets tense again. And the yeah. fear doesn't yield to tension. <laughs> you know, the harder you try, that's angles again. It's like, Anything that's too intense is back into the angles, the masculine. And so it's like, you've got to be a bit more like Tai Chi, you know? Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I saw, so many com I saw so many comments come through and I we are all feeling that of lingering. Mm. Um, meandering. It's another meandering. word. Uh, sauntering. So when you walk, if you're like... Or when you move, if you can have that flow, like a like an animal, you know, if you watch a cat walk, or you know, they they don't, you know, they they often do that. It's how they just they kind of move in this flowing way, like they're not in a hurry, unless they're hunting, you know. Mm. Um, but generally, when they're kind of just switched off, it's the same with us, and and even just all the creatures around us, you know. If you see they they move in a similar way, you know, you, you know, and so. Everything's like that. Like we're part of nature. So, um, you know, if you can give yourself a bit more time in doing things and around things, or, you know, you can take the pressure off your life in certain ways, you actually will begin to relax. I mean, it's such a simple thing. It's like so obvious. I feel like a kind of, you know, I don't know what I feel like, but it's, it, it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's too obvious that we can just, our mind just like dismantle a few of the things in your diary. You know, and leave some spaces. I have a friend yesterday who mm. said, Oh, that's, you know, he said, um, Wednesday evening, that's my spontaneous evening. <laughs> I was like, What's that? And he said, Oh, I never book anything there. Um, I just allow things. It's always Wednesday evening. And I said, Oh, wow, is that such a good practice? You know, I love that. And so we need those little moments of spontaneity where things can just be whatever they want to be. And, and that, then we find a rhythm and our breath begins to settle. It so is about the breath. But we can create it in our everyday life without having to do intense breathing exercises all the time and, and those other things, which, as I said, can be fantastic. But it's, there's an easier way. I'm always looking. I'm kind of lazy. I'm always looking for the easier way. It's the Taoists. You know, I, it's like I had that training from these lazy, enlightened teachers you know, who were like, there's got to be an easier way. Well, it is funny, right? Of like, that goes back into, I, mean, I, I love all this so much of like that tension or the try, or like if you view nature and animals, right? Like they're hunting probably what percent of the time? Maybe 10%. Yeah. Like I'm looking at lions, maybe 10%, right? It's like they eat every few days and then the rest are just chilling. So, and meandering, you know, lingering. And so it's, and the interesting thing is, right, then the fear mind will go, but 
like, I can't slow down. Or it's like, but what if like, we try and fill in these spaces because we're uncomfortable with it. But what you just mentioned of that is where the gift is coming in. And I love that example of the dinner. And it's almost like you can't, or like when I'm looking, reflecting on myself of like, it's almost like I can't try. It's like, it just, it just is. Yeah. And it's just, and like those, I have those moments. Yeah. Like I, that I envisioning, envisioning those after the after hours of the dinner party is like, that is where yeah. the magic happens. Yeah. So being a bit playful, like, you know, again, one of the, I, I just come to my mind that one of the exercises in the, in the back of the contemplation book, by the way, it's called the art of contemplations on Amazon. And, and it's, it's under a hundred pages. It's like a really good little sweet book. And, uh, and, and one of them is an urban contempl- urban contemplation. If you live in a city or a town, or even if you don't, if you're going into a city or a town, um, it's very uh, naughty because it's like invites you to go to a place. It can be anywhere. Go to a place where there's where you often feel a bit stressed. Um, a good one is like um, shopping or supermarket or something, something where you've got to get a task done um, and you're not really relaxed. You're not really present. You're just wanting to get, get the stuff done and get out. Right. And cause it's not, or, or it can be petrol station, you know, where you're like filling up the car, you know, with the gas or petrol and, and um, that's a, those are like moments that are often lost in our lives. And so the, the trick is to go and do it in a way where you're kind of like an actor. So obviously you can't do that with filling up your gas because you're filling up gas. But if you're, you, you can, you know, I even suggest to people you could go to the supermarket one time without the intent of buying anything, right? And it's, it's a playful thing. So you mm-hmm. go and you walk around and you go there for, for contemplative purpose, right? To break a pattern, to give yourself a reference point for a different state. And so you get a trolley and you go around and you put things in it <laughs> and you pretend you're shopping, right? Who's going to know, right? And then, you, and then you're moving around, but you're really breathing deeply because you know that you're not there for any other reason other than just to breathe and just to be there. And... And then you can get back and you can go and put more things back again so that you don't leave work for someone else because that wouldn't be kind. Um, and then you kind of, you, you leave. And what happens is that you, you create an energy or a memory of that actually can be a very meditative process. Getting the food, putting it in the trolley, get, you know, and just breathing instead of the normal, which is get the list, get it done quick as possible in and out. And then I can do something else. Um, and so there are lots of ways. I mean, stand in queues, you know, I did, I had a whole yeah. period in my life where I did this, you know, and I went to like airports even and got in queues and I mean, you can't get through security obviously, but I got, you know, I just got in like or st- railway stations and I got in a queue and just stood there in a, in a longest queue I could find and just stood there. And I was the only impersonator in the queue <laughs> The only imposter, you know, and it's sort of a nice feeling. You're like standing there and you sort of feel a bit naughty and like, <laughs> and everyone else is like looking at it a bit impatient. They're like on their phones or whatever. And you're like, this is, you know, and what you're doing is you're breaking patterns of anxiety of whether, where there's often anxiety. So, I mean, be creative. I mean, these are just some ideas I have, but like, if you take the trouble to do those things, you can break the pattern, even do it in your imagination. Um, is a good start. Um, mm. So what you're doing is you're softening 
the places where there's edginess in your being. You see what I mean? Dang. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And I love how practical that is. Yeah. Of everybody has that anxiety filled place or practice or routine. And just to go meander is completely breaking that pattern. Yeah. When you're driving is a great one. You know, when you're driving, we get quite impatient when we're driving. Anywhere you get impatient, it's, mm. there's underneath that, there's fear. You know, there, underneath that impatience and the anger is like you've fallen out of trust with the correct yes. rhythm of the universe. And the universe is perfect. You're in exactly the right rhythm. Exactly. In fact, if you were like even like one car ahead, goodness knows the universe might well just explode and disappear. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah. like, I love when you talk about impatience, you talk about anger. Um, there's so many things that are connected to, to fear, right? Because it goes back to like death and annihilation. So what are some, like, I guess, well, let's stick with anxiety specifically. Um, it's almost like anxiety is like, we describe it as almost this, it's almost impossible to describe with the mind in a way of like, cause it's just like, it's just like, you can't even, you're so activated. You can't even describe it or hold it or identify it. So how is that related to fear? Yeah. It's a vibration, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Anxiety. If you reduce it down to that, it's, it's, you know, it's a vibration that has come into our body or is coming out of our body. Um, it's emerging through us, through our chemistry. And, um, yeah, we, it, it's like, um, it's also, a, you know, it can become a, a sort of a, a pattern or a habit even, um, that we, that we indulge with our mind, um, and we don't know how to get out of it. We do, you know, that's the fear, isn't it? The fear is I don't know how to get out of this. But again, that, that mind trip is what triggers it to stay because the mind is going, I, know, I need to get out, I need to get out, I need to get out. And that mm -hmm. I need to get out is just stopping you from being present in it. <laughs> and so you, so you need to come down into the body. I mean, the best thing I do, I've got, there's a little thing on my YouTube channel, I think it's called Antidote for Anxiety. It's like five or 10 minutes long. And all I do in it, I say, take your hand or your hands and place them on your belly. And, and we do this a lot in the Gene Keys Global community. You know, at the beginning of calls and, and attunements and meditations, we just put the hands on the belly. And it, and it is a, an amazing antidote to sort of fear, anxiety. And you have to leave them there for a while. And you, and it's, and you have to really imagine in your hand is, you know, you are a loving father or a loving mother. And you are, and you're also the child, the child that's terrified that's just had a nightmare and woken up in the middle of the night and is breathing and sweating and shaking and going, "Mummy, mummy, mummy, <laughs> there was a monster," you know. And you just put your hands on that child's belly and you just go, "It's okay. Just going to hold my hand on your tummy, mm. and it's going to go away. The feeling's going to go away, and it does. Every parent who you know knows that um, that the feeling just goes away, and we can do that on ourselves." It may take a bit more, I and mean, you can put them on your heart as well, but it's the touch. It's the deep inner connection. You can do it to someone else, or you can do it to yourself. It's really powerful doing it to yourself, because then you're self-parenting. You're, you're finding your own way through that anxiety. So I really 
It's a way of, you know, and you can stroke yourself as well. And, and you may have to do it for a long time to calm the anxiety or calm the, the vibration and the fear. And you can put on some music that you love and you can mm. add layers to it. But essentially for me, it's the touch and the intention of the touch and the softness of the touch that helps us to kind of settle again. Because the, and then, the, you know, it's that immediately put your hand on your belly. It's as though magic happens. Because the moment yeah. it's there and you don't have any stress around it, you're not, it's, not, it's not a technique. You know, you're not trying to do anything. You're, not, you know, you're just, it's okay, little child, little boy, little girl. There's a little girl or a little boy in you that's just literally in that paroxysm of fear. And they, they need soothing. You know, so this, these anxious states, they, you know, they, they also can come from the world, right? They're very, they're, they're ramped up at the moment. Because of what, because of the unsafety of the earth, you know, and the earth herself is feeling it in some way. Mm. And so it's very common. So we really need to have a practice where we can soothe and look after ourselves. And I really recommend it. I, I, I always try and find the simplest thing. And for me, it's the simplest thing, but you have to do it, you know, over and over and over again on a daily basis. And it does work. There are a lot of other things that work as well, but that for me is like cutting right to the core of the matter. That's beautiful. I've never yeah. heard it or in that way. And I appreciate you sharing because it is going back to self-parenting, self-sourcing. And last um, uh, 10 days ago, I actually hit my head and ended up bleeding. And then I blacked out twice. And it was fascinating because in that experience, I... It was a trippy experience. I've never felt like a third party witnessing myself go through it and like watching my nervous system react and like do its thing of cold sweats, like my vision going and it was crazy. But mm. what I want to share is the emergency where people were called. So um, they came and they were testing me and everything, right? They were busy, obviously in an emergency. This dude, not sure if there's brain bleeding or whatever. And then finally, someone, a new crew came and all he did was set his hand on my arm and I immediately just went mm. and just relaxed. So everyone else was like testing me, testing me. Yeah. And the first thing he did was just set his hand mm. on me. And it's almost like emotional. Like I just felt safe. Mm. And I was like, oh man, like they're here. Yeah. And so like just that's just a cool example of like how much that that really does um that touch makes makes us truly feel safe. So thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Well, I'm glad you were okay. <laughs> yeah. Me too. It, how I view it is a bit of an activation, pretty crazy. Um but one thing I want to make sure I ask you about because so much fear is related to money. Um, because that's literally a survival thing and the charge of money, the worth of money, the value of money. There's so many little things in there that we might not be aware of. And one of your quotes is, and I'd love to you just expand and hear your thoughts and feelings on this, is your relationship with money is a reflection of your relationship with fear. So how you feel about money is you, it's mirroring how you feel about fear too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I taught a, a, a big retreat, the Pearl Retreat last year, and um, we talked about money 
and it was it was like four months of exploring um in gene keys you know you, there's, there's a sequence and you know so if you go to if you're new to gene keys by the way if you go to genekeys.com you can down you can get your profile your free profile and in there are all these is a journey but the 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 three main parts of the journey are purpose and that, that you know so finding your purpose and then relationships and love and then money and prosperity and there's a wonderful saying also there's a statement that it's from latin and it goes spiro ergo prospero and um as far as i know i made it up but um <laughs> and someone else may have said it first but yeah. it just basically means i breathe therefore i prosper you know so we come back to the breath like if your basic ground is that you feel safe in your being and in your body, then, you know, out of that comes prospering, you know. So if you are not in this calm space and breathing and feeling safe in your body, then you're in a feedback loop where you're recreating the exact thing that your mind fears, yep. you know. So again, it's the same thing, but it's just projected out through your behavior. And it might be through you trying to set up a business or it might be you trying to make ends meet or worrying. It's the worrying from the place where you don't feel like you're, you're prospering in your being and just being alive is to prosper, actually. So the more we come back to feeling safe in our body, then the more we start to feel safe in our, in our life, you know, mm. and then we, because, and out of that feeling safe and feeling stable in ourselves, in our belly, then our belly starts to make the right decisions, you know, because, our, you know, we, we're aligned with our true destiny. We're aligned with our intuition. We make decisions that aren't reactive and coming from the head spin. And they come from a right brain. They come from another place inside us and that knows how to survive, not just survive, but thrive, you know, and, and that, again, we're going back to our ancient roots where, you know, the, the, the indigenous people, had the sense because they were so tuned to nature that they would know where to go and when to go to get food and how and the rhythms and the seasons. And it was just the body moving, the body feeling it, mm. the body reading the weather and reading the patterns around it and sensing where safety was or where abundance was, you know, and the timing of things. I think it's time mm. to move on. I don't know why it doesn't feel safer anymore. Let's move, you know, and and so they move, and 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 the intuition was correct because then the lions came or something. Um, so it's like that deep part of us has to kind of settle, and then we start to manifest our prosperity around us. So actually, it's incredibly simple. I, mean, I make it sound simple, and I I do appreciate really deeply when someone is you know really facing difficult you know circumstances um, financially. And, and it can terrify us because it is core survival. But if we can come back, even if we're in a real situation, if we can come back to that core, like I'm still alive, I'm thriving here right now, I feel safe inside myself, I'm centered, I'm calm. There, from there, the next thing we do will be correct. And that will lead to the next, and that, that will self reinforce the feeling of abundance. So, I mean, it, it isn't rocket science. You don't need to do, you know, 59,000 retreats and kind of get rich quick things. Um, it's just really basic. You're right to ask. It's about fear. Money is, is all rooted in you know, our relationship to money is rooted in our relationship to fear. Yeah. Beautiful. And I see a bunch of questions coming in. So we're, 
we'll start the Q&A in a minute. So throw those questions in the Q&A so they don't get lost in the chat and then I'll pull them up so everybody can see what question we're answering. In a way, a lot of the times it's the same question. Um, it is. But it's just like, the, it's kind of, that fear has gone and kind of manifested a different situation. It might be in our health. It might be in our relationships. It might be, you know, but the se- it comes back to the same thing. You know, like our core, you know, Gene Keys, like our core purpose. When we're in touch with our core purpose, which is, which is about being, then we feel stable. We have core stability inside our body. And out of that, everything goes in a, in a correct, rhythmic, you know, easier way for us. Mm. Not to say that we won't have a lot of difficulties and challenges and initiations, but, there's a, but they're, they're the correct ones, you know, and, and, and so we are equipped for them. And they can be things that are very rewarding, ultimately. Man, Richard, I'm getting, this is firing me up. I'm like, I want to go take on all my fears. But um, <laughs> with gentleness and, and a little, some warrior too. But yeah. uh, Well, it is a warrior. A gentle warrior. Yeah. Um, and it's just beautiful. Like there's so many synchronicities. Like while I was contemplating either this morning or yesterday, I was like, wow, I'm still looking for something on the outside to make me feel safe. Like I need this money or I need this job or whatever. I need a client or, you know, I need a podcast, you know, like, yeah. And it's like, no, like safety comes from, yeah. Say that again. I need success to be, to feel safe. Oh, you know what they just did? It was funny. I mean, the joke's a bit on, on um, you in America. Um, (laughs) They did uh, the, uh, they, whoever they are, did a survey of how much money will it take to feel safe. Really? And they did it in different countries. And um, in the UK, because we're so like uptight, obviously, uh, the, general, the general average was it would be $8 million would, you know, that was the average of what people said. Per person? Um, I'd, sorry? Per person or per family? No, like per person, like a person, you know, generally you ask one person, so I need $8 million to feel completely not it, to feel like I can do anything I want in okay. life. You know, I can feel safe. I can feel wow. completely thriving. Right. In America, <laughs> it was a hundred billion dollars. <laughs> but it doesn't really matter wherever it was. It's just uh-huh. the same thing. It's like, we have this belief that, that's what we need, those conditions in order that we can enjoy ourselves here, you know, truly. Which is a bit sad in a way, isn't it? That, I mean, that's such a, yeah, regardless where the number is, I, that's such a beautiful, man, I appreciate you sharing that just because it is just, just like, what are we waiting for to feel safe yeah. or to feel enough or whatever you want to put in there? Um, so before we get into the q and I would love to hear about um, this this new program, maybe not necessarily new, but it has, it's called the dream arc and it definitely has to do with fear. So I'd love for you to tell everyone about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's, um, it is kind of new actually. It's, I mean, it's, it's been around, but in a different, not it's well, it is new. (laughs) Um, so we launched it in the last month and it's taken myself and Rosie Aronson and our dream arc team. We've been creating it for three years. We put a lot of creative work into it and, if you know the gene keys, um, 
they can they they're made up of 64 keys and they and they're the shadow keys and then gift keys and then we call them city keys which is the essence the divine essence so those three levels um and and they live inside us so we have all our shadows live inside us all the gifts live inside the shadows and all the divine essence lives inside the gifts so you have to start with the shadows because you know everything good comes you know comes out of that eventually and so what I did um, is that I, I kind of redesigned all those because they're all words, obviously, in the Gene Keys book is, is made up of those words, the different words mm. for those different layers and levels. Um, but I made them all into animals, right? So all the, all the shadows, I call them the fear keys, and they are underworld creatures like creepy crawlies, insects, you know, bugs, um, you know, uh, reptiles, snakes, or, you know, things that crawl and live in the water and fish as well, and those kind of things. Things that, that scare us, some things that revolt us, things that bite us, thing, you know, things we really don't like, um, things that just annoy us, you know. <laughs> um, and then the gifts are all the mammals, and then the cities that are the visions are the birds, right? And so what you do is you have a threefold level, the middle world, the lower world, the upper world, which is mm. a, an ancient shamanic way of looking at the world. Um, but the fear keys are these 64 creatures um, that live in our subconscious um, that, um, you know, we can sometimes dream of or we, we meet them in the world. And they're kind of symbols of different fears. Mm. And so what I did is I identified 64 different fears um, connected to these underworld creatures. But it goes, you know, the, the dream arc itself is a very profound um, and very playful program because it's all of the right brain. I, I mean, there's not that many things out there that I've come across that are like it because most things, including the gene keys, are quite left brain. You know, it's like you learn this in this way and here's just this module and then you learn that and then you learn that and you learn that and there's another layer and then you, you know, and then transformation and all of that. But the dream arc is like, it's kind of, it's like puts aside all those neat things and it goes like, okay, step into the jungle. There's no paths. Only you can make mm -hmm. your own path through these teachings. So it's pure right brain workout. Um, and and you, what you do is you meet all these creatures um, and you meet them in your dreams. You meet them in the everyday life. You meet them, you know, as archetypes because they're all around us. They're actually inside us. If you think that we've evolved through those creatures they actually live inside us in our dna in some way so every creature is a fragment of our own divinity and it you know and the underworld ones the fear keys are are so important because in a way it's interesting because they lie you know there's there are levels of consciousness as we fall asleep you know, and as we go into, you know, as we go, there's these layers of um, alpha frequency. These are the brainwave layers and then theta and then delta and theta and theta and alpha are like dreaming sleep. And then delta is dreamless sleep. And the, the kind of threshold between theta and delta from dreaming sleep to dreamless sleep is where the fears live because it's like death. Mm. You know, you move from like, OK, I know what I am, um, you know, to oh my God, I'm going into annihilation. You know, I'm, I'm moving into that deep, deep, dreamless sleep, you know? And so those, the, the fear keys, those creatures, those underworld creatures all live at that level, right? So they often come to us in dreams or they haunt our imagination or they, 
live in us as um, as kind of icons or symbols of different fears. And um, and so once you kind of you're asked to um, choose in the course through a series of journeys, you know which kind of take place in your life rather than online. They're actually in your life, but the online <laughs> kind of helps you know which journey you're on. Um, you you move into one of these journeys and you're asked to kind of wait or see or attune to one of the creatures. You know, like you might be in a category called, let's say, um, tricksters, right? The tricksters, all the trickster archetypes of creatures, you know, and you're asked to choose one of the tricksters to work with for a period of time. And you choose it in a mysterious way. Um, so there are lots of ways in which you choose it. Sometimes you might dream of it. Other times you might actually meet it in the world. It might come mm. and land on you as an insect or something. Or you just click the oracle and the oracle chooses for you. Or, there's, or you, you know, there's lots of kind of really fun, wild and wacky ways that the, the, that the program operates. Sometimes it says, go and ask, show this list of creatures to a child and ask them to choose one for you without wow. knowing anything about them. Just choose your favorite one or the one that you don't like, you know, the one that you don't like, you know, it might say something like that. So a child then goes, I don't like the gnat. I don't like the, the mosquito. <laughs> and that, that's your one. You've got the mosquito. And then you've written, I've written all these up, right? So I've written all 192 creatures. So you can look up the mosquito and it gives you, tell you what fear it represents, uh. you know? And so it's a way into, it's an unconscious way into our fears. It's really interesting, you know, and sometimes they do come in our dreams. I mean, they come in the most bizarre ways because it's the right brain. So the right brain is always about the unexpected. So I've, so like, <laughs> I'll give you an example. Like my first choice, you know, was I had to choose between, you know, when you come into the, into the program, you choose between 12 guardians, you know, and the, and the, the you choose one guardian and that guardian is going to be with you for the whole journey. And the journey is probably a year or more because it's, it's oh, like, yeah. it's a huge body of, of intuitive wisdom. And you're going to move through all these creatures and they're going to represent different archetypes in different phases in the year ahead of you or, you know, and so it's not, it doesn't take over your life, by the way, it's just in the background of your life. So you can even do other courses and other things. And this will just hum along in the background of your life coming up when it needs to dropping back down. Cause it's part of your dream life. It becomes part of your visionary experience. It's incredibly creative. You're asked to stretch your creative limits in lots of ways. Um, but so what happened for me is I had to choose one of these guardians. Um, and I decided thinking about them a lot, you know, there, there's these, you know, different creatures from different places in the world. And I was like, I don't know which one. So in the end, I just, for me, I just said, right, I'm going for a walk. And when I come back, I'm coming back with my guardian. That's it. You know, there's, there's no doubt. And I just decided. And so I went for a walk. I was in, I was in Santa Barbara at the time. Mm. I went for a walk and then I got to the, the end of the walk. You know, if you know what I mean, I got to like the place where I knew I was going to turn around. I'm not going to go any further. And, and I stopped there and I paused, I lingered. And as I was sitting there, I looked down at my feet and there was this kind of gnarled old piece of root. It was like, and I was drawn to it. I was like, very interesting, like piece of wood. And I picked it up and I was holding it and looking at it. And it just was exactly like a crocodile's head and the texture and everything. And I was like, that's one of the guardians, the crocodile. And I thought, oh my God, that's going to be my guardian. <laughs> you know? And some of them are birds, you know, some of them are underworld creatures, 
And I was like, oh, do I really want a fear key as the guardian of the whole yeah. of my journey? I said, there's no choice. And when I got back, I looked it up because I couldn't remember what the fear was. And it's the fear of chaos. If you think about the crocodile, the thing that we fear is the crocodile's jaws. It's those jaw, the jaws of fate, right? And that's what the crocodile, it, it's just a set of jaws waiting, you know, for its prey. Very, very still, but it can, be, it can move like lightning when it needs to. So it represents at some level the jaws of fate and the fear of the human fear of chaos. And even if you go into crocodile mythologies and African mythologies and stuff, you find similar story, you know, that you can see in the, in the creation myths, the crocodile has that kind of energy of like, it's, it's, it's it, it, you know, chaos. And, and this is a collective fear. They're all collective. Mm -hmm. And it's the fear of our times. You know, and it's the fear that the world is falling into chaos. And so I'm dealing inside myself at personal levels, you know, and also I'm dealing with it at a global level as a, as a teacher of these things. Um, so it's real fear. And, I, you know, it's, it's my agenda for this year, um, that fear. Really? And there may be other sub-fears that come up, but yeah. that for me dictates this journey I'm on. So it gives you an idea of what the dream arc is and how it works. I wanted to give you a, a sense of experience. It's an experiential program. Um, anyway. Wow. So, that, so, so when you dig out those fears that lie on the threshold of Delta sleep, not only can it change your sleep patterns, it changed your whole body rhythm because those fears live in our unconscious and, and they were put there by our ancestors. You know, we have specific fears. Each of us comes in with specific fears. So if you can, you know, if, if you, when you choose one of these creatures or it chooses you or you dream of it, your unconscious is serving up the exact fear that you need to understand so that you can contemplate it, work through it, go deeper into it, and then eventually transform it. Not just for yourself, but for the whole collective as well. That's the deepest alchemy is like we work on collective fears together. And that's what the dream arc's really all about. It's like working as a, as a group soul on collective fears, you know, being together to support each other. That's, that is the most, I don't know any more valuable work in the world, actually, um, because that is protecting and preserving the earth, you know, in a way. So anyway, wow. that's. And, and, you know, just as a pitch for people, if you want, you know, on next Tuesday, we're doing, Rosie and I are doing a free webinar um, uh, on the Dream Arc. We're going to describe it, explain it, tell you stories, give you an embodiment experience, pick an Oracle Dream Arc card for the world, you know, that, uh -huh. um, and just um, show you under the hood of the program so you can see, you know, what it is and, and um, decide whether it's for you. Um, and that's, so if, you, if you're interested, um, if you go to genekeys.com forward slash events, you'll see it in there. Or on my YouTube channel, Gene Keys YouTube channel, you'll see it right there, sitting there kind of counting down. Ooh. So please come and join us. It'll be a fun experience anyway. I love it. So is so the countdown, speaking of Jaws of Death, you know, the countdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there the crocodile? So, crocodile. <laughs> So is there an end date that people can sign up? Just go to genekeys.com forward slash events. Yeah, you can, anyone can, you just show up. It's just a free event. Um, so yeah, but you can, you know, if you go to YouTube, you can click, you know, notify me or whatever. And then it kind of logs you in and 
Cool. Um, and you might enjoy my YouTube channel as well while you're there. <laughs> I can assure you, you will. And then the DreamArc, is, the, is there a deadline for that, for signing up? Well, no, it's, uh, that's open. That's, that's, like a, that's, a, that's an evergreen course Beautiful. program now. Um, what we are going to do is hold um, you know, gatherings um, throughout the year to, you know, of people who are in the, in the experience. There's about 600 at the moment because we released it last month. And so it's building momentum, but it's so new that people are kind of looking and going, I'm not sure I quite understand how this works or what it is. And, and it does have a slightly higher price point than on my other courses, $300. So it's a bit more of a commitment, but that is, I can tell you (laughs) bloody bargain for three years (laughs) of, you won't believe how much stuff there's 120 contributors have poured stuff into this course. It's, it's, It's incredible. It's, we've even we've interviewed about even fifteen amazing indigenous elders who are like um, have kind of also put their energy into the whole program. So it's like it's it, you know come and listen on Tuesday and we'll explain um, that some of the depths of it if you're interested. Dang, that's beautiful. And yeah, there's so much so much alignment for like. Well, we might have to talk offline because yeah, I definitely me and the whole team at the Heart Collective. I can already see we would love to do that, like individually and as a team. It's a it's an amazing thing to do as a group. That's what yeah. we've been saying. Like form a dream pod, um, because mm. as it starts to take hold, our dreams start to connect together. I mean, already people in the course have started experiencing this: the weaving of dreams of people on the same dream journey, um, but in different threads. You know, so you're at diff- you know everyone's moving in their own way through their own jungle path but there are other people in there also. And so weaving it together is really powerful. Um, mm. And having, cause it's all about stories. You know, we need to, sh- like I shared my crocodile story. We need to share our stories with each other because that's part of the weaving of, you know, our, f- our collective future of, of transformation. We have to share our transformational stories. We have to have the fear come out as a story often um, and be witnessed. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. You, Come join. Oh, I mean, yeah, you're you're speaking my heart on so many levels as far as, I mean, I would concur that there's potentially no more important work because that's that's the root of it all. Yeah. Um, um, someone's asking the time. I think it's, I may not be right here. It's either 20 UTC or 21 UTC. Yes. So um, depends where you are, but that's... Um, what is it now? It's, it's yeah, it's, it's, um, it, if, if you go to YouTube or go to Jinkies forward slash events, you'll have the time in your, it'll kind of convert it to where you are. But it's, it's UK evening, 20, uh, eight o'clock. So that would, you know, that's, I think that's, it's either UTC or BST. Can't remember myself. <laughs> so there's a lot of good questions in here. Thank you all for these great Q and A's. Um, Thanks, Corinne. Oh. Just linking there. Okay. So a lot of people saying thank you <laughs> in the Q&A. So, okay. So Martina asks, Dear Richard, since um, a year, I have a lot of children I work with who are dealing with fear to not be with their mother. They cannot leave her. I guess it has to do with their global changes, transformations, personal topics, etc. Do you have any spontaneous do you have a spontaneous feeling for this? Do you understand that question? Do you have a spontaneous for, 
feeling for um, this. So what's she asking? She's saying that there are um, she works with children. Yeah, I wonder if she's asking. Oh yeah, I have a lot of children I work with who are dealing with the fear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see what she. I see what you mean. I mean, if you think about it, um, we're going to show this beautiful little clip of one of our elders on Tuesday. It's the final thing we're going to share, and it's she's an African elder, um, and she shares this. Um, she talks about um, a little bit about the pandemic and what what how it's reset humanity, mm. um, and she talks about um, how. Um, well, I don't want to give it away because it's so <laughs> beautiful that she says it, but she talks about how the mother, um, you know, how, how that kind of, you know, how that kind of rejection of the, or that fear of the mother taking away her love or of losing the mother is like rife throughout the whole of humanity right now. Um, and how it's kind of, I mean, she mentions George Floyd and how he called out, you know, mama, I can't breathe. And mm. that, those, that statement is like, is actually symbolic of the whole of humanity right now. That's what, that's what the earth is, herself is saying, I can't breathe, you know. And so children especially are picking up on these things and that disconnection with the mother. So I don't know if, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a meta view of mm. what's going on. Um, and that's why, you know, in creating this fabric called the Dream Arc, this journey of journeys, its purpose is to weave us back together with the mother, you know, through interacting with her creatures, you know, her children in a way, and making friends with them again, even making friends with our fears, you know, because they're also like all those creatures that we don't like you know, that we are repelled by, they're also little shards of divinity. They're shards of love, you know, and they respond to love. That's what's amazing. Like every creature in the universe actually responds to love. But I mean, <laughs> we have to like go out there and trial that mm. to see. No, it doesn't mean you walk up to a, a kind of poisonous snake and, you know, <laughs> it's like got to be like respectful, but it's about what you emanate. You know, the animals and the creatures of nature pick up on such a subtle level on our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts and our intents, you know, because they live in the dream field. You know, they live in the quantum realm in, in a way that we don't because of our neocortex. You know, it's given us all these gifts, but it's also separated us. It's given us the illusion of separateness. Mm -hmm. um, and, the, and the creatures of the world still have that quantum dreaming realm to, together. You know, so they, you know, and, they, and they, they have a web, a harmonic web, where they fuel and feed and nourish and nurture each other, you know, through dying and giving birth and eating each other and hunting. And then, you know, all of that connects them together in a sort of symbiosis. And so there's a, there's a even though sometimes we look at that and we think it's harsh, it's actually a symbiosis. It's, a, it's an incredible harmony. You know, it's the basis of Gaia thriving. And, you know, so we have, you know, there's so much we can learn from these creatures around us. Um, so, yeah, that's what the dream marks really, it's connected. Yeah. Us again. yeah. I love that. And like I said, the illusion of separateness. Mm. Mm. Kind of like the illusion of, I guess, obliteration or annihilation as well. Because we yeah. are eternal yeah. and we're all one. Yeah. Um, someone... 
All right. So I'm picking out the next Q&A. So a lot of people, a few people have asked, will you be able to access this presentation later? Yes, this podcast is going to be released next week. So you'll, you'll have it. All right. So this question, Valerie says, I am a metro mystic. Daily life is contemplation. The interface, aka algorithms, with keeping up with the world affairs snag me. It is the imagined collective fear that spirals me into loops. I have been attempting to sit with these anxieties, yet I get caught up in the imagination of the collective fear. So what to do with that, basically? I'm just trying the imaginary. to get to the depth of what um, Valerie's really asking. Yeah, so I think I know what you're saying. Like um, the, you know, the media fear, for example, um, that's stoked throughout humanity and that is is continuously being spread um, through social media and other things and the division and all of that that kind of stokes our further divisions is easy to get caught up in and and kind of unplugging completely is is you know, not the answer, um, because then we lose connection. So um, it's about building resilience, isn't it, inside ourselves. That's why I, you know, I come back to the belly again. I say, you know, like, Mm. build that resilience in the base of your being. You know, you might really enjoy um, part one of my Golden Path program, which is um, on on Gene Keys. And I'm not not just saying that to sell it. It's like, it's (laughs) our most popular program. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It, it brings, it, you know, you work with your profile and you work with four keys, your four prime gifts, you know, and your four prime shadows. And it helps you, helps each of us come deep into that place of deep security and resilience, core stability. And once you feel that, I mean, it's just not just a, like, it's, you've got to feel it in the body. Mm-hmm. Once you start to feel it, you feel like you can handle anything. And then all the mind stuff that's flying around is just mind stuff that's flying around because you're anchored in, in your belly and your belly is your being and your being is beautiful and rich and abundant and fertile. And, um, you know, and, and it's not just words, there's real feelings on a daily basis. And you have to, you know, we're bad days where we lose it. Me too. You know, where, where the fear sneaks back in or the anxiety sneaks back in or something triggers us. Yeah, but then we then we anchor ourselves back in the base, you know, and in our purpose, you know, your core purpose. You'll have every person has a gene key that represents the core purpose, um, you know, and so that key really helps us, and that and the fear of that that gets in the way of that purpose really helps us as well to dismantle mm-hmm. that fear. So yeah, um, then then all of the stuff on the surface. Um, doesn't harm us so much and and we can you know we can take it in without it you know being such such a difficult thing a difficult vibration yeah so resilience yeah i agree with that it's like kind of what we've already talked about like dropping into the body like the true safety of the body and what's the quote of something about the bird doesn't sit on the branch for fear of falling because it doesn't trust it's not that it trusts the tree it trusts its wings so I butchered the quote, but something like that, right? As, <laughs> as far as it's like being so safe in your body, like anchored and stable, mm. that what you said, the noise of the world is just noise of the world. And it doesn't, like you said, doesn't matter that you yeah. 
hear it or see it or sometimes get snagged, but it's coming back into that deep presence and trust in your own body. Yeah, that's beautiful. So someone asked this question, how to stop, um, Sherry asked this question, how to stop obsessive, repetitive pattern of hand washing, which got up, which got set up in childhood to try and control my environment and find safety. I'm old now and want to stop. So I don't, this is specific for hand washing, but I feel like control is no matter what you do to control. We literally worry and stress because our mind feels like it can, it feels in control that way. So yes. I love this question just as a whole, as far as just control in general. Yeah, it's a deep thing, obviously, you know, and we have these kind of ticks, some of us, you know, that we've developed. In fact, we all have variations of mm-hmm. them, you know, it, it, that's just one manifestation. Others of us just have them as, as loops inside our head, stories that just replay endlessly. And we don't even realize they're replaying um, until maybe one day. In, there's a gene key, uh, one of the keys, gene key 24, that's, that speaks to addiction. And um, it's the shadow is addiction. And the gift inside addiction is about um, inventiveness and innovation and um, creativity. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I always say that, like, when you have one of those, when you contact one of those um, patterns that's been that developed to kind of as a, as a defense strategy to help us feel better in some way or to feel safer, um, it, we, it, it's hard to break an addiction. You have to transfer it, you know, from one thing to another. So, so we transfer it to a healthy pattern, you know, and, and like, <laughs> I'm going to sound like a broken record, but if you take those hands and you start to place them on your mm-hmm. belly again, um, you'll start to kind of make a different kind of connection. Um, so there's, there are techniques that you can do, and I'm sure there, there are people with a lot more expertise than that are specialized in this area, but you may have already approached them. But the, the thing is to, is, to, is to transfer the action onto another level. So if you can transfer the movement to something creative, to something that, you know, that actually really puts your body at ease and helps you breathe deeply. I mean, in the beginning, you could actually just do it with incredible awareness. You could just carry on doing it because it's there, but really enjoy it, you know, really get into it, really breathe deeply. Let it be the way that you breathe deeply that, you know, so you, cause it's like, it has in a sense protected you from something. Mm -hmm. So actually why not start by really like, enjoying it and appreciating it and just let it be your Zen, um, you know, your Zen kind of contemplation. And it might be that you then even start to transfer it into something creative because the hands are amazing, right? I'm a lover of anything to do with the hands in terms of the hands. You know, when you give the hands something creative to do, they just have their own intelligence Mm -hmm. and, and, and it can really take us into a beautiful creative space. So I, you know, what whatever it is that your hands love to do, I mean, I trust them in one way. Um, so I think I'd go deeper into it and let it be a transformational practice for you. And it might be that on on its very own, it transforms into something different. Something, you know, and and that something different might be many things as well. It might be, you know, that's where the inventiveness and the innovation and the 
you know, the creativity comes in. And the city of addiction is silence. You know, and that's the that's the that's when the kind of the loop has been completely broken. Because then when it's broken, underneath it is just this complete calm. You know, it's silence of, you know, it's a deep silence that exists inside us now. It actually exists at all times. Um, and I just say it because it's nice to know that that's what the hands are trying to get at. You know, they're, they're like doing their best in a repetitive mannerism to reach that silence, that stillness. Um, so have compassion for your hands. Mm-hmm. You know, watch them, watch the process as though they're kind of children. And you should just watch them with fascination and playfulness. And I mean, these, this is a, a way that you might begin to approach it in a different way, perhaps. I don't know if that, if you've ever tried that before. Um, it's a shift in your in attitude, perhaps. But I'd be intrigued to know what, what, whether it made any difference. I hope it does in some way. Beautiful. Thank you, Richard. Do you have time for one more question? Yeah. All right. So last Q&A question. This comes from Joe. So talk about the importance of, you already talked about this a little bit, but talk about the importance of healing in the presence of others, being seen and the power of community, especially as we traverse this great shift into the unknown as humanity. Let's just have that one more time. Importance of healing. In the presence of others. So yeah. essentially like what you said of the pod yeah. or the group and sharing yeah, and being heard and seen. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is such a question for Rosie, my partner in the dream arc. <laughs> uh, because um, this is what she brings to, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm there absolutely with her. Um, but come on Tuesday and meet her and you'll, you'll feel this energy of inclusion you know, like the the inclusion of diversity in all its forms. You know, there's a group of, of animals, of creatures in the green mark called the unifiers. And each one of them, like the cow is one, for example, um, and the hen is one. You know, these are creatures that have allowed themselves to be assimilated by human practices. Um, and in some way, they've brought us t- together, but they've had to make sacrifices in doing so. Um, and so, you know, there are creatures that can really unlock our hearts by the level of the depth of their sacrifice. And the same with us as humans, you know, we have to make sacrifices um, to bring back harmony to the earth, to the world. We're going to have to, you know. So absolutely, it's about community. It's about warmth. It's about all the beautiful sides of human nature and friendship. You know, in my little book of contemplation, the, the importance of friendship is huge because we, you know, in, in this modern world, we have lots of um, contacts, but fewer really close friends. And when you cultivate a close friendship, it's such a treasure, you know, and, and so it's about really nourishing those friendships and those places where we, you know, where we feel that incredible soul resonance. And a lot of the time we're too busy and we, and we miss doing those, you know, we don't give it time, like to, to really nurture those connections that we have in our community and, um, and feel part, and they help us feel part of community, of a wider community. So, um, yeah, it's a huge, huge thing. Uh, it's, a, it's a deep part of my work as well. And, and in, in the Gene Keys community, I don't know if you've ever joined us, but we're very warm. <laughs> and um and playful 
and um, I hope generally open-minded and open-hearted. So it seems like it to me. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing, Richard. Like the amount of even just warmth, inclusion, curiosity, openness, gentleness, expansiveness in this conversation. It was, this was an exploration and a journey in itself. Like I felt the tenseness of fear kind of pop in and like feel it at some times. And I know you guys were feeling it too and experiment, experimenting with it. And so I hope you guys can keep coming back to this. This will be live. Join Richard, check out the Gene Keys. There's so many beautiful resources for you to lean on and also as as a community and also like what we said about self-healing and self um self-sourced or self-parenting and so there's there's all those mix of resources and like on on behalf of the whole heart collective like thank you all for being here signing up it means the world because we truly are what richard just said of those beautiful things is about human nature and that warmth and that gentleness and dissolving fear is what we're all about. And so this was an incredibly beautiful, joyful, honestly, Richard, like thank you from the bottom of my heart. This, this was awesome. Thank you for your time, your energy. Thanks, Ben. It's amazing. Yeah. It's really a pleasure to meet you and kind of, you know, feel your warmth and your, you know, humility as well. And your, you know, your valor. And (laughs) yeah, I get all of that. So it's really, really lovely. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Is there anything else on your heart that you feel called to share? I think I said it all. (laughs) All I've got anyway. All right. Just blessings to everyone. And and thank you for showing up so much. Um, It's lovely to be here. All right. Well, thank you all so much. We appreciate you. And hopefully we can see everybody again. (laughs) All right, y'all. Adios. Thank you.